Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Arena Church, many times call this your, your Christian home, then uh, I trust that God will bless you again today. And for those of you perhaps a little new, newer to the church, maybe not yet stepped even into what we would call Christian faith, then we trust in that God will speak also to you, particularly this morning. As Julie said, over the next few weeks, you're going to have a variety of speakers from this platform, Christian next week, um, on the subject of faith. It's a, it's, a, it's a Bible word, it's not exclusively used in Christian circles, but certainly uh, in a Christian environment, it's a word that we would use a lot. In fact, faith completely defines us. We're here this morning by faith. We sang in faith, we prayed in faith. And if there's no faith, it, it, it makes it, frankly, a little bit ridiculous. Why would, you know, uh, a number of people meet in a room, uh, call a church on a Sunday morning uh, to sing and listen and pray, unless there was a spirit of faith amongst us that says God is real and God hears us. Let me just say that as we were worshipping this morning, I really felt that one of the things that's happening in our worship, particularly when we sing songs like we sang towards the end of um, uh, just confessing our faith in God and our trust in God, I felt there were a lot of prayers rising out of worship this morning. And some of you were praying for yourself, the person next to you, but there were a lot of prayers going from the church as well uh, to pray for other people. And we may not be feeling it at the moment regarding the people we're thinking about or even seeing it, but in faith this morning we confessed again and God is at work. So uh, Chris is going to help me on the back as always. And for those of you that like to take notes, you're welcome. If you want to take a, a photograph on your phone, that's fine. Uh, some of you like to scribble notes down. Some of you just like to sit and listen, but... What we've been doing over the last number of years, as you know, is just to try and give a little outline to the message to help every one of us have a little bit of an insight into where the preacher's trying to go. So this morning we're talking about saving faith, saving faith. And um, there are many layers to this subject and um, Christian, Julie and me were talking about it. We realised it would be impossible to talk about all the aspects of faith in one morning unless you you'd signed up to being here till four o'clock this afternoon and we certainly don't want to keep you that long. So saving faith and the verse that we're thinking about this morning we're going to launch from is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 and it says this, it says the, this is, I'll explain who's saying these words in a moment but it says the life I now live in the body we're all here in the body this morning as well as in the spirit. I live by faith in the Son of God. Why? Who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a testimony. So if somebody said to me, Phil, why are you a Christian? Well, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith because I realize that one day Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. He lived a perfect life. He died upon a cross. He rose the third day. He ascended to the Father's right hand. He's alive forevermore. He shed the Holy Spirit into the earth to make himself real. And that's what defines me. 
It really does. Now, um, it seems appropriate that this morning we begin to launch off in faith. And by the way, in our leadership planning meeting, we, 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 we moved here before the momentous events that have impacted us all as a nation over the last couple of weeks. But in the afterglow of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, it somehow seems appropriate for us to remind ourselves that uh, our late uh, Queen was defined by a journey and an expression of faith. And last, sun, uh, last Monday, um, it's estimated that at some point during that morning, over 4 billion people across the earth, about 50% of the world's population, engaged at some point in what was taking place. We prayed here last week that God would bless, and he did. And clearly the service was defined by our late queen and delivered with aplomb by those that were involved. How many of you held your breath more than once that those, those pallbearers were not going to sort of uh, cause that uh, crown to fall off? One of them, by the way, from Salston, 19 years of age. Brilliant. And his mum and dad very proud in the local press this week. And of course, we prayed for Archbishop Welby and he gave an excellent uh, gospel message. And we thank God for that. People have been asking questions this week. Numbers of us have been talking about conversations we've got involved with. As people have probably drilled a little bit deeper about what life is all about. And we trust that those conversations will continue to move forward. An individual whose life was defined by faith. But let me say it very clearly and respectfully this morning. Faith's not just for a queen. Faith is for you. And faith is for me and we cannot bypass this starting point you're going to hear christian talking about the uh, the gift of faith the spiritual gift of faith 1 corinthians 12 you're going to hear people talking about navigating the test of faith and the life of faith but none of that works if there's not a starting point and it may be that you say, well, Phil, I became a Christian 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago and you're tempted to switch off. But I'm trusting that the material we share this morning will inspire your faith again and ignite again that thankfulness that there was a start. There was a start to faith. Now, um, as we look back, we thank God for those beginnings and we have to clarify again that the only way and I'll try and drill this down at the end the only way into our journey with God is beginning with faith continuing with faith and by his grace finishing with faith the verse that Chris put up on the screen was written by a man called Paul and those of you that know your New Testament well will know that this man is right across the New Testament. He used to be called Saul. But not only did his name change, his life changed. He was going in an altogether wrong direction. On, on Thursday, we had a, a leaders meeting here of what we call our uh, Moving Forward Network. It's a group, small group of leaders. We come together together. 
several times during the year. We're particularly trying to hone down on the leadership journey. And we had a great time, and thank you for praying. And Christian interviewed one of our guys who had a complete turnaround experience in his life. Born in the East End, and uh, at 32 years of age, he realized that Jesus Christ loved him and gave himself for him. And the life he now lives, he lives in the body. But he wasn't living like that for 30 odd years, let me tell you. Whoa, what a turnaround. What a turnaround. And the Apostle Paul, gifted, academic, clever, intelligent, but also arrogant and hateful, was going in an altogether wrong direction. And Jesus Christ met with him and changed everything. And from that day on, the life he lived in the body, he lived unto Jesus. Now, the word in the original language for faith in the New Testament is pistos, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it literally means a firm persuasion or conviction based on hearing. A firm persuasion or conviction based on hearing. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is sure and certain. Not arrogant, not belligerent, not lording it over people, but the reality is, friends, I know in whom I believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed against that day. I'm sure about it. I'm certain about it. And we come to a firm pattern based upon hearing. The word of God, one of the descriptions for the word is seed. And this morning, the preacher's scattering the seed again. The seed may be scattered through TV. The seed may be scattered through somebody giving you a book. The seed may be scattered through a conversation. We're not just saying it's here. But we believe that one of the primary ways still that God scatters the seed is through preaching, teaching and communication. And that seed lands in our hearts. We hear it, not just with these, but with this. And it brings a firm persuasion and conviction. Now, just before I come to two points at the second part of the message, I just want to give you a snapshot of how faith works in our lives. I'm not going to sort of speak from this, but we're going to just briefly look at Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. I'm not even going to read it. But in this passage of 10 verses, there are three things that happen. And we move from deadness to destiny. You are dead in your sins. Not physically dead, but dead inside. And we move to destiny. Do you know that God has got a plan for every person in this world? He's got a plan for every person in this church. He's got a plan for every person in this church service this morning. Oh, well, it's not me. Uh, God, you know, I'm not very gifted. I've not got much to contribute. I couldn't do this. And you're forever telling God what you can't do. And as Julie said, engaging in something like growth trap begins to open up what God has called you to do. Deadness. And then from no purpose to God's plan. And then from selfishness to usefulness. And we become God's handiwork. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2, God's handiwork. In the original language, it drives down even more. And it's literally saying that you are God's masterpiece. Now, those of you that like art and wandering around, you know, art galleries. Does anybody like to do that? 
or I'd rather go and have a coffee somewhere. But anyway, uh, and they're looking and, oh, look at that. But the reality is that the masterpiece are not done in a few moments. You know, they're, they're poured over, they're poured over. And God begins a work in us and then he continues to do a work. He chips away at the things he still doesn't like even when we're a Christian. Hello? And he keeps moving, he keeps working, he keeps... Because we're his masterpiece. We can look back in a year, two years, five years, ten years and think, wow, God's done an amazing, amazing work. So what's the key to all of that for moving to... From deadness to destiny, from selfishness to... What's the key? Well, we find it in the verse, in verse 8. By grace, not something we deserve, you are saved. Listen, through faith. And the ability to believe in God is even a gift from God as well. That none of yourselves, it comes from God. God, as the seed is scattered, brings the gift into our lives where we reach out to and say, God, I believe in you. You brought me to a place of firm persuasion and conviction and I want to give my life to you. Now, I think that's good news and I can't understand why anybody wouldn't want to move from being dead to knowing a purpose and a destiny in God. And it's all keyed together by faith. Now, just in the second part of the message, two major headings with a few points in between. Because first of all, the call to save in faith. The call to save in faith. If you'll forgive me, I'm not going to reference those verses particularly, but they all prove the point that I'm trying to make. And I'm going to run through them briefly. The call to save in faith. Number one, it's imperative. Imagine for a moment you're not feeling well. And uh, you've not been feeling well for quite a long time. And you decide to go to the doctor's. And the doctor sort of does some tests and he brings you back in a couple of weeks' time and writes out a, you know, one of those indecipherable prescriptions that seemingly only the pharmacist can read because nobody else can. And uh, as you're going out the door, the doctor says, it is imperative that you take this course of medicine in order that you might feel better. It's imperative. Well, you'd be a little silly to, one, ignore the advice, never go to the pharmacy. And then, if it's a course of tablets, say, over 30 days, you get to day two and think, oh, I'll not bother. And then complain that you're still feeling ill. It's imperative. And you heard the passion of the preacher last week. Uh, and you're always going to get that when Christian delivers a message. Why? Because he is passionate about people's lives being changed and he brings it as an imperative. An imperative. I'll say it today, if you have never become a believer, yes, it's a plea from us. It's a matter of life and death. The whole of your eternal future hinges on your response to beginning a starting relationship with Jesus and then it's internal because Romans 10, 9 says that we believe in our heart. Now in the Bible, there's over a thousand references to the word heart and very, very few of them are relating to this organ within our body that pumps blood around and keeps us going. We know if we've got some heart issues, they 
physically they need attending to. It's talking more about the real you. The real you. That's why sometimes we talk about giving our heart to Jesus. It's not extracting our physical heart and handing it over to him. Will you give the real you to Jesus? It's internal. It takes place internally. You know, sometimes organizations will be looking at a, a, a reboot, a reset, and they'll say, we need a sea change. We need a sea change of attitude. We need a sea change of culture. This morning, friends, you don't need a sea change. You need a heart change. Because the heart of the matter is the, is the, is the problem, is the issue. And so it's internal. Now, the internal impacts the external. When we first set off in ministry, and Sharon will remember this, we had this family come to the church, and they had an amazing turnaround conversion. They moved to Skeg, like that's where we started, um, with, like a lot of people do, to try and leave behind their problems. How many of you know that if you've got a problem there, you're going to bring the problem here? It didn't work. So anyway, they had an invite and came to church. A remarkable turnaround experience. This guy had more rings on his fingers than you wouldn't be, you know, and bead, well, beads round his neck and flecked here. He was unbelievable. And he came in one day, that air caught, all his rings had gone, you know. He says, I don't need them anymore. All I need is Jesus. It was just, and the thing was, we got some photographs when the internal took place in his life, his countenance changed like you wouldn't believe. He walked in, I want to kill everybody. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm full of sin. And his countenance completely changed. And, you know, as I've watched people over Arena Church over the years, the same's happened. You've come in, you've come in insecure, you've come in with no confidence, you've come in. And Jesus Christ has come to you. I tell you, you may not realize it, but your face has completely changed because the internal always impacts the external. My money's mine. It's mine. You, you know, you keep... And all of a sudden, we start to get generous. We start to get generous because the internal, them things we want to hang on to. You know, you work for it yourself. You look at, all of a sudden, you think, no, the work of God's bigger than this. And then thirdly, it's invaluable. Did you know that your faith is much more precious than God's? And in 1 Peter, and we were doing this in the staff meeting the other week, it's a, it's a, book, it's a, it's a book about tests. Tests. And God says that actually there are times when we'll go through tests. And you know, you can sit in the pew sometimes think, what if that bloke at the front goes through some tests? Well, you won't believe it. Some of the tests that we go through, physically, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, relationally, they're all there. But the tests of our faith, when refined, are much more valuable than gold. Now, let me read this about the imperial state crown that didn't fall off the coffin last Monday. It goes back to the 15th century. It weighs 2.3 pounds. Did you know that as the Queen got older, she couldn't wear it at the opening of Parliament because, he, I mean, she seemed to shrink a little bit. Anyway, it was kind of... But when she was uh, 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 brought to the crown, 52, becoming Queen, 53, the coronation, this diadem crown was placed on her head. 
and 2.3 pounds. He's got 2,868 diamonds, 17 sapphires, 11 emeralds, 4 rubies, and 269 pearls. Woo! Now, I don't know what the monetary figure of that crown is, but it's not five pounds, is it? It's not five pounds. Your faith is more valuable than that diadem crown. Your faith is more valuable than all the worlds, all the money that anything can buy. And God was encouraging these persecuted believers to say, guys, what is in your life is so valuable that please be faithful to it. So valuable that it's going to last forever. And then it is individual. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've had people come to me and say, oh, Phil, I wish I could have your faith. And the answer is you can. Yeah, you can. I'm nobody special. Well, I am because you are as well. But you can have my faith because it's an individual response. As somebody said, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but it's true, God's not got any grandchildren. Now, you know, all the grandmas and grannies and granddads around here, you know, we like the kids. We sometimes like to say bye at the end of the day as well when we're completely exhausted by their unending energy. But God's not got any grandchildren. You can't pass your faith down simply by your decision. You can influence, of course, the journey of others, but they've got to step in. They've got to step in. Isn't it wonderful when we hear boys and girls in kids' church giving their lives to Jesus? Yes, out of the parental example of their mums and dads that brought them to the house of God, but they make their decision and the reality is that between five and 95 over the history of time people have stepped into faith and made their decision my question this morning is have you made your decision or are you rolling on the back of somebody else my mum's a christian my dad goes to church i'm in a christian country or whatever it is you have to make your individual decision And then, briefly, Chris, not only the call to saving faith, but the consequences of saving faith. And here's what happens. Number one, faith distinguishes, distinguishes. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9 that you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, special to God. Those of you that like the authorised version, it used to say there, you're a peculiar people. Ooh, heck. It's, one of the, it's why we use more modern translations. Does it mean I've become weird to become a Christian? No, no. It's using the word peculiar in its original intention, which was special, special, special. You are a peculiar people, special to God. And it is amazing, friends, what God does for us. It, it, when we come to faith, we can bring our questions and we can bring our issues and we can bring our challenges. But God is shaping us and honing us to be a people 
that glorify him. So let me put it at rest this morning. It doesn't mean weirdness to be a believer, but the inevitability is that when light shines out of you, it will distinguish you from darkness. When the goodness of being salt flows from you, it will have an impact upon the badness around. And you just have to be you. You just have to be you and allow the faith of God to distinguish you. Not different weird, but different saved. And then not only does faith bring distinguishers, but faith extinguishers. Because we walk not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, but by faith. Oh, if I had, I used to be in sales, you know, and actually even in financial services, you can't show people a washing machine or, you know, you can show them a projection. Um, but you can't show, oh, Phil, if you'll show me God's, I'll believe. Actually, they used to say that to Jesus and Jesus said, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't because you've seen all the miracles around and you're still not believing. But actually, God has given us a picture. And in the reading in Westminster Cathedral last week, we had it from John 14. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What's God like? Read the good news books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus healing people. Jesus calling people to himself. Jesus putting his hand out to somebody that nobody else had put a hand out. Jesus with time for the marginalized. Jesus expressing love. That's what God's like. That's what God's like. And we can bring out doubts. Some people think they've got to get a university degree in thinking they understand faith before they can step in. No, it don't work like that. You've got to come as a little child. Jesus says that blessed are the little children because of such is the kingdom of God. In other words, you bring a childlike response to the Lord. You bring your doubt. What about that? What about that, Christian? What about that in the Bible? What about that verse in 1 Corinthians, wherever it is? What does that mean? Bring it. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Bring your disbelief to him and allow faith to overwhelm it and extinguish it. Bring your discouragement to him and allow faith to extinguish the things that stop you coming to God. Yes, faith will be tested and we understand that. But even when we don't see it, you're working. And even when we don't feel it, you're working. God is moving all over this room today. God is sending people out today with a fresh leap of faith. God is extinguishing the things that work against us and taking us forward in him. And thirdly, faith relinquishes. I put Luke 5.5 5 there. Briefly, the story was that Peter was a fisherman and he knew how to fish. And all of a sudden, this guy that had been reared on wood, his name was Jesus, he was a carpenter, uh, came along and these guys were completely hacked off they toiled worked all night and caught nothing if you've ever been in sales and you've toiled all day and not got a signature on the bottom line oh and that telephone course coming from the manager at night how did you get on today oh, i had a blank they toiled all night and caught nothing 
And then the man raised in carpentry says, how about lowering the nets again, guys? And if you lower the nets again, you're going to get a great catch. You what? And in the New International Version, B-Y-S-S-I-W, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. And they had this overwhelming catch of fish. And they even had to ask the partners, the word koinonia, people to come in fellowship and help them. We used to sing a song. We sang an old song this morning. We used to sing an old song. I want to be out of my depth in his love. Remember when you used to take your kids swimming? It's all right, just take your feet off the bottom. You'll be, you'll be all right, just take your feet off the bottom. You know, they've got the arm, they're not going to sing, they've got armbands on and what? Just take your feet off the bottom. And all of a sudden they do it. When we're on holiday, we went to a swimming lesson and had two little ones in Wales. They're thrashing about, they've took the feet off the bottom, they're going for it, they're smashing. Take your feet off the bottom, called you. Take the feet off the bottom called your control. Take the feet off the bottom of your life and begin to swim in the oceans of God's blessing for you. I want to be out of my depths in his love. Somebody says that the greatest act of faith is when man decides he's not God, but there is a God and it ain't me. He's bigger than you. He's better than you. And he's amazing. Bob and Mandy will bear this one out. But when we were in Jackstow, we used to have a guy called Frank Ledger. And he used to give quite a good, what you call, local church word. He got born again in Egypt when he was doing national service. And if you want an explanation of national service afterwards, come and talk to me. Not that I did it. I, I got out of it as well. But just after the war, 1952. And when he preached, he'd always get two phrases in. Number one, that he'd come out of Egypt speaking about the old life. And then he'd say, in his Sheffield accent, just let go and let God. Remember, let go and let God. That's what faith does. It relinquishes. Bring your questions. Bring your issues. But have a starting point and let God do it. As I close, Julie mentioned about financial investments. Certainly not one of my strong suits. But the reality is, imagine for a moment that you'd got a wad of money and you were looking at investments. Those of you that like to invest will know that savings rates have been pathetic for years. And maybe there's going to be a little shift in that in terms of the next season. But all of a sudden you come across this stellar savings investment rate with the bank. You tell your friends about it. And they begin to invest in the accounts, but you never do. They've deposited, but you haven't. Let me just say this morning that faith is not religion. It's not thinking about it forever, not talking about it. It's not having a form of godliness, but denying the power of its relationship. Don't be looking at everybody else this morning that's deposited their life in the bank of God. And forever think about it. Be the person today that says, Lord, I give my life to you. I deposit it into your bank, trusting you. I'm telling you, friends, there'll be a return on your life like you wouldn't 
believe. We go back to the verse where we started that says these words. Yeah, sorry, Chris, that one will do. Thank you, that one. Thanks. The other one, please. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, here's the final encouragement. Let the life that you have lived by faith in the Son of God. Those of you that did it years ago, let it keep going, guys. But if you've never done it, do it today. Because he loves you. And he gave himself for you. That saving faith. Let's pray. When Peter lowered the nets, having toiled all night and caught nothing, to ride on the message title of last Sunday, he defied the odds. And that's faith. You may have had people say to you, you'll never make anything. I wish you'd never been born. You're useless. And God's not using that language. That's not the language of the kingdom. God's saying you're special. You're valuable. I've got a purpose and plan for your life. And if you would just deposit from your heart into the bank of the kingdom of God, you'll get an amazing return. I'm going to pray a prayer. I copied it into my journal a couple of years ago. And as I'm driving in this morning, I thought, I'm going to pray that prayer. It's a sad prayer. But it's a prayer about saving faith. And then I'm just going to invite anybody that's responded to it just to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to shout your name out, come to the front or anything. Because I'd like to include you in the amen to this prayer. And here's what it says. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for creating me. And for loving me when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I realize today I need you in my life. I'm sorry for my sins and I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. And as much as I know how, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life. And make me a new person on the inside. I accept your free gift of grace and know that you will help me to grow as a Christian Amen I wonder if there's a hand this morning that says Phil will you include me on that prayer please I, I want to step in I don't want to be looking at others I want to step in, thank you thank you somebody else this morning thank you thank you thank you, I've seen it Thank you, right at the back. Thank you. I want to say Louise Bussell is calling young boys and girls to Jesus on a regular basis. They're not here, but many of them are stepping in. Not kingdom grandchildren, but kingdom children. Four or five people responding this morning. There's a last chance to say, Phil, just include me on a prayer. I meant that this morning when you prayed it. I meant it. Depositing my life in the bank of God. I'm looking left to right. I'm smiling because I'm seeing people that have done this. And what God has done in their lives is amazing. 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 And that's why we do what we do. And that's why we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Father, thank you this morning for responses. Right from my far left to right. 
people that have responded to this prayer. And we believe it, Lord. We really, really believe it. Because all across this room, some of us did it falteringly, nervously, wondering what was going to take place. And you have changed us forever. And I pray for these dear ones today that right now, Lord, they will know they are born again, special to you, and that faith makes them sure and certain of their God in Jesus Christ. That along with us, they will testify to the life that they now live in the body. They live to the Son of God who loved them and gave himself for them. Julie's going to bring a conclusion to the meeting, but we've got our prayer team across there. We've got Justice and Terry. And if you'd like a Bible, if you've not got a Bible, it's a free gift to you. And if you'd like somebody just to seal the word of God this morning with another brief prayer, please go to the prayer point. But step in. Tell somebody you've become a Christian this morning. And let's enjoy the ride.